Morning. Welcome to ANZ News. It's Thursday the 12th of November. Today we're talking about the World Economic Forum's Great Reset and how apparently it's okay by the Australian Senate. The Great Reset agenda of the World Economic Forum is not widely known about and certainly not getting much cut through in the mainstream in Australia. That changed a little bit yesterday when Pauline Hanson, of all people, put forward a motion in the Senate for Australia to actively not pursue this agenda. Check out this motion here, put forward by Pauline Hanson's One Nation. The motion was soundly defeated, 37 to 2. The Great Reset Agenda of the WEF is, the at worst, a fascist agenda enabling the global elites to control us all and, at best, a fairytale existence that relies on a miraculously new cooperation between sovereign nations when we can't even see Brexit through, have a decisive US election, agree on territorial waters in South China Sea, or who governs Hong Kong, just to name a few headlines in the last few days of news. The WEF agenda of the reset is to see the following seven objectives adopted. First one, shaping the economic recovery. Okay, fair enough. Number two, harnessing the fourth industrial revolution. Three, strengthening the regional strengthening regional development. Four, revitalizing global cooperation. Five, developing sustainable business models. Six, restoring the health of the environment. Seven, redesigning social contract skills and jobs. All very innocuous sounding until one digs into how this is all achieved. Writing for the Australian just after Davos, Jennifer Oriel put it well. Money grows on trees. Somewhere between the unmarked plague graves of Italy and the hallowed halls of Elysium, cosmopolites have planted a seed to transform COVID-19 into an economic revolution. Globalism is out of fashion in democracies, but its advocates are planning a comeback tour in January where they will launch the Great Reset from the cradle of the rich and socialist Davos. When globalists gather for the World Economic Forum in Switzerland each year, we expect virtue signalling a motherhood statements and tremendously vital plans to talk more at the same time, same place next year. But this time, next year, will be different. The WEF website features numerous articles where the case for the Great Reset is made with a sense of urgency. One section reads, There is an urgent need for global stakeholders to cooperate in managing the direct consequences of the COVID-19 crisis. To improve the state of the world, the World Economic Forum is starting the Great Reset. Leaders who think they possess the power to change the course of history are unsettling. But those who believe they control the destiny of the world are deluded and invariably become violent when human nature gets in the way of their grand plans. We'll have a link in here to the full article from them. What does this mean from an investment perspective? Well, that's not entirely clear, but it reeks the sort of desperate measures that signal the death throes of a major credit cycle and reserve fiat system. An attempt to centralise also highlights the need to hold assets that can't be, as in gold, silver and Bitcoin. Communism and fascism don't have great track records of success and longevity. Labelling the Great Reset thus may be seen by many as a far stretch, but it has enough of the hallmarks to have many watching it carefully and the likes of Pauline Hanson trying to tackle it head on. One of the more balanced articles, and there are extremes either side, to read more on this was authored by economic and geopolitical analyst Stephen Guinness. He has written a few, but below that we're going to talk about is the latest title, Rationalising the Great Reset, and it includes links to other articles as well. A few weeks after the World Economic Forum launched their Great Reset initiative, it was followed up with the release of a new book titled COVID-19, The Great Reset, authored by the Executive Chairman of the WF, Klaus Schwab, and Senior Director of the Global Risk Network at the institution, 
Thierry Malaret. Having read the book, I wanted to share with you some initial thoughts on the potential significance of the publication. As touched upon in my last article, there are five planks to the Great Reset. Economic, societal, geopolitical, environmental and technological all of which the book covers in detail. But I want to focus largely on the conclusion, as it's here where the author's motivations and rationale for championing a great reset in the wake of COVID-19 became clearer. Schwab and Malaray characterise the future direction of the world as the post-pandemic era, a phrase that is repeated ad nauseum throughout. Rather than define it to a particular outcome, the authors opt instead to ask whether this new era will be marked by more or less cooperation between nations. Will countries turn inward, resulting in the growth of nationalism and protectionism? Or will they sacrifice their own interests for greater interdependence? No firm prediction is made either way, but we do manage to gain a degree of insight into the author's way of thinking when they discuss what they call the direction of the trend. They write that concerns over the environment, primarily through the prism of climate change, and the advancement of technology, integral to the fourth industrial revolution, were pervasive long before COVID-19 entered the picture. With the economic and health implications of the lockdowns now ingrained within society, Schwab and Malaray contend that long-established worries among citizens have been laid bare for all to see, and amplified because of the pandemic. In other words, if minds were not concentrated on the problems and threats the world faced before COVID-19, then they certainly are now. And whilst the direction of these trends on the environment and technology may not have changed, with the onset of COVID-19, it just got a lot faster. It is why Schwab and Malaray believe that these two issues in particular will force their way into the political agenda due to increasing public pressure. A movement such as the Extinction Rebellion is one example. Among another is the rapid growth of the fintech community, which is leading people to question what constitutes money in the digital age. As for where they see things going in the future, the suggestion is that current trends are pointing towards a world that will be less open and less cooperative than before the pandemic. Effectively, the WF have presented the world with two potential outcomes. The first is that the Great Reset can be achieved relatively peacefully with nations acquiescing to the objectives being pushed by global planners. The second outcome, they warn, would be far more disruptive and damaging. It would come about through countries failing to address the deep-rooted ills of economies and societies, which could see a reset being imposed by violent shocks like conflicts or even revolutions. And apparently, we don't have much time to decide our fate. What we have now, according to the authors, is a rare and narrow window of opportunity to reflect, reimagine, and reset our world. If a proper reset is to be realised, it can only occur through an increased level of collaboration and cooperation between nations. As Schwab and Malaray see it, the alternative is a world entrenched in perpetual crisis that would eventually lead to the disintegration of the post-World War II rules-based global order and a global power vacuum. There is therefore a very real risk of the world becoming more divided, nationalistic and prone to conflicts than it is today. One thing the authors do write on from a position of clarity is that never can the world return to normal, or more to the point, be allowed to return to normal. Their view is that before COVID-19 took hold, a broken sense of normalcy prevailed. The situation now is that the virus marks a fundamental inflection point in our global trajectory. In a very short space of time, it magnified the fault lines that beset our economies and our societies. If it was not already obvious, then the authors confirm over the last few pages of the book that the United Nations Agenda for 2030 Sustainable Development Programme is intertwined with the Great Reset. This is evident when studying the WF's Strategic Intelligence Unit, Sustainable Development and the Great Reset go hand in hand. For Agenda 2030 to be implemented successfully, Schwab and Malaray offer an alternative to the possibility of countries failing to come together. 
as you might expect, it resolves or revolves sorry around collaboration and cooperation. In their eyes, no progress can be otherwise made. COVID-19 offers the opportunity to embed greater societal equality and sustainability into the recovery. And crucially, this would accelerate rather than delay progress towards 2030's sustainable development goals. But it does not end simply with the full implementation of Agenda 2030. Schwab and Mallory want to go further. Their aim is is that the open exposure of weaknesses within the existing global infrastructure may compel us to act faster by replacing failed institutions, processes and rules with new ones that are better suited to our current and future needs. To convey the importance of this statement, the authors state that this alone is the essence of the Great Reset. What they appear to be seeking is global transformation, where systems and the age of the algorithm take precedent over political institutions. We are already beginning to see the moves by major global institutions like the Trilateral Commission, the World Trade Organization and the European Union to reform and rejuvenate both their work and membership. COVID-19 has undoubtedly straightened the hand of the global planners and their quest for reformation. As COVID-19, The Great Reset was published, it was accompanied by an article written by Schwab and Mallory called COVID-19's Legacy. This is how to get The Great Reset right. They stated plainly that not only will a lot of things change forever, but the worst of the pandemic is yet to come. We'll be dealing with its fallout for years, and many things will change forever. It has wrought and will continue to do so, economic disruption and monumental proportions. Indeed, no industry or business will be able to avoid the impact of the changes either ahead. Either they adapt to fit in with the Great Reset Agenda, assuming that they have the resources to do so, or they won't survive. According to Schwab and Mallory, millions of companies risk disappearing, whilst only a few corporate monoliths will be strong enough to withstand the disruption. It is your smaller companies and independent-run businesses that are faced with ruin, opening the door to a new era of mergers and acquisitions that will further erode consumer choice and competition. Schwab and Mallory tell us that the worst of the pandemic is yet to come, and from an economic standpoint, I would not doubt them. But let's look at the health aspect for a moment. Global media coverage of COVID-19 has characterised it as a deadly virus that kills with impunity and without the antidote of a vaccine could devour communities whole. Perhaps surprisingly, the authors offer up a little fact-based logic. They admit that COVID-19 is one of the least deadly pandemics in the last 2,000 years. And bearing something unforeseen, the consequences of the virus will be mild compared to previous pandemics. At the time the book was published, 0.06% of the global population were reported to have died from COVID-19. But even this low figure is not altogether accurate. In the UK, for instance, the way the death rate has been calculated has meant that people who have been diagnosed with the virus and then succumbed to an accident within 28 days after being tested will have their cause of death marked as COVID-19. To quote Professor Yoon Luke, or Loke, sorry, from the University of East Anglia and Professor Carl Hannigan from Oxford University, anyone who has tested positive to COVID but subsequently died at a later date of any cause will be included in the PHE COVID death figures. Schwab and Mallory could not be clearer when they write that COVID-19 does not constitute an existential threat or a shock that will leave its imprint on the world's population for decades. As it stands, the Spanish flu and HIV or AIDS have a larger mortality rate. It was not uncontrollably spread. It was not the uncontrollable spread of COVID-19 that caused governments around the world to shut down their national economies, but the data modelling of unaccountable technocrats like Neil Ferguson and Imperial College London that predicted hundreds of thousands of people were at immediate risk of dying without the imposition of social restrictions, which we now know to be a combination of social distancing and lockdown measures. When Schwab and Mallory talk about COVID-19 leaving its imprint on the world, 
The truth of the matter is that the measures imposed in the name of COVID-19 that have caused widespread economic destruction, not the virus itself. That distinction is one that mainstream outlets in particular refuse to engage with. In summary, if we're to take the authors at their word, then they see a rise in the nationalism and protectionism off the back of COVID-19 as a detriment to the quest for the Great Reset. The much-coveted sustainable development goals could even be at risk should nations turn inward. The IMF managing director said the world has a choice between the Great Reset or the Great Reversal. The Great Reversal being more poverty, more fragmentation and less trade. I would argue that there is another way of looking at it. In the book, Schwab and Mallory describe how an interdependent world, which is precisely the kind of world that global planets have been championing since at least the end of World War II, risks conflate with each other, amplifying their reciprocal effects and magnifying their consequences. When nations are interdependent, the systemic connectivity between risks, issues and challenges determines the future. It's the old cliche of dominoes falling. Once one falters, it sets off a chain reaction, which was evidenced back in 2008 when Lehman Brothers collapsed. The scale of change that globalists are calling for through the vehicle of the Great Reset, which by definition is global in nature, will in my view require the implosion of the current world order to lay the foundations for a new world order. The old must make way for the new, and the one method for how this could be achieved is through increased kickback against interdependence. Sustained crises offer many opportunities for global planners. The potential for a contested US election, an upcoming no-deal Brexit, and warnings of vaccine nationalism are three eventualities that, if brought to bear, could be exploited and used for the advance of the Great Reset. I would say that the further the world appears from collaboration and cooperation, the more people are going to call for those very same things if they become increasingly desperate. The authors say that there is only a narrow window of opportunity for the Great Reset. Let's keep in mind, though, that so far, it's only global institutions like the WUF that are promoting the initiative, not national administrators. When it starts to permeate politics is when you know the agenda is advancing. But when exactly, or what exactly, will the economic and societal conditions be when the Great Reset becomes part of the global conversation? Has what we've seen up to now been enough to compel people to call for change on a global scale? Has there yet been enough degradation and material change to living standards for citizens to implore global institutions to take action? I'd argue not. Already solutions like the universal basic income have been touted, but as yet, there is not a widespread clamouring for change. But perhaps that time is coming. There's some links there for this article. <clears throat> as always, when we're reading on behalf of other people and the uh, content that they've suggested, always do your own research. Look into everything as much as you possibly can. It's great news, but keep looking around and finding your position. Remember, for anything physical, ainsleybullion.com.au. Everything cryptocurrency, ainsleywealth.com.au. And if you'd like to check out our gold and silverback cryptocurrency built by Ainsley, check out goldsilverstandard.com. Great bit of resource there. Enjoy your Thursday. We'll catch you for end of week news tomorrow.